All right. This is the Stell Me About It podcast. I'm Stella Graham. This is where I get to talk to people who know some stuff because I need it, because I am a little bit thick, people. Now, my guest today is the fabulous MP Taiwo Owatemi. Hello. Hi, Stella. Um, you're ever so kind. Thank it's, you so uh, Yeah, thank you for doing it. If you're not familiar with Taiwo, not only is she the awesome MP for Coventry uh, North, did I get that right? Northwest. Northwest. <laughs> See, I told you I was thick, Taiwo. I'm ruining it already. And uh, I've, I've looked into uh, some of your wonderful career. I see that before you were elected, you were a senior oncology pharmacist in an NHS cancer unit. Yes, I was. And it was actually um, one of the fund fundamental things that got me thinking about um, how politics and policies affect everyday life. Wow. So you sound you sound like a bright button. You sound very intelligent. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's because that's not I don't think I could do it because um, as we've established, I'm not that bright. Uh, but I also remember the first time I saw you. So I was born in Coventry, grew up there, spent most of my years there since moved away. And I hadn't really kept up with who the politicians are in Coventry. And then one day I'm watching a clip of the news and I saw you uh, talking very passionately about the um, free school meals campaign. And I thought, oh, who is this? Very interesting. Because it was nice hearing somebody talk with such passion. And, and I'll be honest, I usually find politics very boring. I'm sorry. Um, but you talk about it with such an energy that I thought I really want to listen to what you have to say, which leads me nicely into I need knowledge, Taiwo. So can you tell me, what is it like being an MP? <laughs> oh, well, that's a tricky question because no two they are the same. Um, some days I wake up at 7am and finish at midnight. And some days um, it's more flexible in terms of what kind of meetings I'm having. So I would say every day I meet up with different constituents or different organizations and charities to talk about how I can support them or the challenges that they are facing. Um, when I speak to constituents, I speak to them generally about issues that are going on in Coventry, but as well nationally. So it could be about housing, universal credit, furlough, the vaccine, absolutely anything that anybody wants to talk about. And sometimes it's just people wanting to talk to me about what's going on and how they think that Coventry can change and that's absolutely fine. Um, then I also get involved with constituency campaign and policy work so that's looking at um, what is going on in the constituency and what changes we can do to um, improve the quality of life of people locally. So some of the things I'm passionate about is education um, and I'm passionate about the environment and I am passionate about health so um, a lot of the policies and campaigns that I've been working on throughout this year is just ensuring that um, whatever changes happens locally is to the maximum benefit of people in the constituency. And then on top of that, I actually belong to two select committees. Okay. <laughs> so um, one is international trade and the other is health and social care committee. Um, and a lot of that every single week we're doing different inquiries into areas policy areas and seeing what we can do to what recommendations we can provide for the government to improve in the area of health and trade mm -hmm. um, and on top of that 
I'm also the chair of two APPGs. So I'm part of the Knife and Crime APPG and Erasmus APPG. And part of my role is... Sorry, Tyro, uh, I'm a little bit thick. What's an APPG? <laughs> no, it, it's my fault. Um, I'm so used to the parliamentary language and jargon. It's an all-party parliamentary group. And what that is, is a cross-party group of MPs who come together to scrutinise government policies, but also provide um, advice in policy areas. So with knife and crime, I decided to join that because knife crime is an increasing issue within the country, but particularly in the West Midlands as a West Midlands MP. And I wanted to make sure that the policies that were being created were not London focused and took uh -huh. into account the different issues that was happening across various regions. So, um, and I'm working apart from that with different groups in the West Midlands to address that issue so that we can reduce the crime rate um, the knife crime rate within um, Coventry in the West Midlands. So but yeah, like I said, quite a lot, isn't it? I mean, you you certainly keep busy. I definitely do. No, I, I love it. But um, it it is my role is ever changing. Um, it is very wide. Um, but <laughs> but I, but I love it. Um, but sometimes it can be really hard to remember whether or not I've eaten breakfast or lunch or just <laughs> just the general things that. Um, <laughs> the most people remember but no yeah. I really love it the, the basics of survival so compared to because obviously you worked in the NHS I'm assuming you probably did some some long hours there but yeah now as an MP longer it seems yeah it <laughs> it's weird but I, I would say that um both row have similarities and differences so with regards to the NHS that was a more structured background so you kind of knew what you were doing every day and you can plan in advance with Parliament, it doesn't matter how much planning you do, you just you just don't know. <laughs> um, meetings pop up on the day and you, you find yourself running from one place to the other. Mm. Um, but both of them stretch me in terms of asking me to think wider, asking me to always review what I'm doing and how I can improve. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what um, that's what I love about both roles. So what what I'm quite curious about is. What sort of made you want to be an MP? Because let me tell you, I went to Caledon Castle and at no point did any of the careers people go, ah, do you know what, Stella? I reckon you'd do well in politics. Like it didn't, it didn't really feel like a career option. And I am sadly old enough to remember when um, Margaret Thatcher was the prime minister. So it wasn't like I didn't see, oh, a woman can be like effectively the top job in politics. So it wasn't that it wasn't, something I thought oh oh maybe but it certainly <laughs> it didn't feel like a viable career path certainly not as a school kid so at what point did you think oh yeah I might I might do it Bella I wouldn't say that I got that career advice either I don't think <laughs> <laughs> any of my career advisors thought oh you'd be a great politician one day you're natural yeah <laughs> <laughs> no um, but I think I've always been outspoken from a very young age. Even in sixth form, I remember challenging the school board about certain curriculums and how best to improve the school. I was, <laughs> <laughs> I was definitely um, an enthusiastic student about ensuring that every voice was heard and that um, people's, I guess the, the um, experiences of pupils were taken into account when the schools made a decision. Mm -hmm. um, and for me, I wouldn't say there's a short answer to led me to politics. Mm -hmm. I would say is um, I grew up a lot from a very young age watching the news. And I wouldn't say that that got me into politics, but that opened my eyes into 
what was going on okay. in just the general world and the community. And I remember actually um, my uh, mum and my granddad taking the time to really explain just how the decisions were impacting um, family, those around us in the world. And I would say that maybe subconsciously that would be my first exposure to politics. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say that I really started thinking about how politics and policies affect people's lives when I was really young in terms of, um, I remember vividly actually when 2010, mm-hmm. um, and the transition that was going on and the increase in um, inequality and injustice that was happening mm-hmm. and how that change in government really affected the lives of my family. Mm-hmm. and of those around me and for the first time I just felt really frustrated um, and I felt um, that I, something had to be done about it right. and I remember coming home one day angry just generally angry about something to do with bin policy it's really weird you'd be surprised how bins really motivate people to come bin. Poli- honestly you'd be surprised <laughs> because um not because well, I mean, when they don't get collected, it is proper annoying, if that's what you mean. I hear you. <laughs> well, school meals disturbed was really something that impacted me. Um, access to, um, what's it called, health inequalities was an issue that I felt locally because my GP appointments went from, I can see him on the same day to I had to wait for two weeks. Oh, but yeah, I would yeah. say what really made me wake up one day and join that join labor was I got home one day and I was angry about the bins and I was upset and my mum said you need to stop this you come home upset and angry about so many different things about um, policies that weren't affecting you but you can't just come home and be angry every day you either Mm -hmm. keep quiet or do something about it but I don't want to be hearing you moaning every day (laughs) I thought that's fair enough I will do something about it and that um, made me join the Labour Party and actually go to meetings but it also made me get involved in discussions at my workplace about health policies, health inequalities, what are we doing to address it, um, why was a certain decision made that we thought about the impacts of patients so I would say that discussion with my mum about bins that day Amazing. pushed me <laughs> above the line for somebody who was sitting um, and not doing much about it to somebody who thought actually political activism is needed here. That's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I know um, the, the council tend to deal with like litter being picked up and bin collections and stuff like that. So, I mean, this could have just been an angry email to the council, sort the bins out, and then you just carried on with your life and did something else. But I mean, and let's be real, I was an angry teenager. <laughs> <laughs> I still am. And, uh, but I still think it, it takes a certain something that, that drives you from that. To like, no, I'm really going to make something happen here. I think that was the line but like I said I grew up I grew up in one of the worst schools in London I saw it was normal for me to see after school when I finished school the police being around and gangs and everybody wondering whether or not um, this was going to be the day it was normal to see a classmate die and another one go to prison for for killing them Um, it was half of my mates were in free school meals and um let's just say that I saw a lot of, I was exposed to a lot of stuff at a very young age that Mm -hmm. always got me thinking about why isn't anybody listening to us? And when is it going to be our turn to ensure that we get the justice and the protection um, that we need? Um, 
And even becoming a healthcare politician, I became increasingly frustrated about just how healthcare is funded in different areas of the country. Mm -hmm. And having worked in different NHS trusts, some of them are excellently, excellently run mm -hmm. and provide the best. And some of them, um, as much as they want to, they haven't been given the necessary resources um, to meet um, for them to be able to provide that provision. And it was just watching everything around me okay. and seeing that things were not improving. Mm. Um, the is the reason why I used to go home every day complaining. Fair um, enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think you win uh, roughest school contest out of the two of us. <laughs> Caledon Castle seems like eaten by comparison because even though it, yeah, I thought it was rough, it wasn't probably quite so. Um, we didn't have the police round so many, and certainly not not the uh, the the body count by the sounds of things. <laughs> that sounds really scary. Uh, I did wonder. I was curious. How did you end up? Because if you grew up in London. Uh, being an MP for, for Coventry, I like to think that they do it sort of like the FA Cup draw, where they have like a bag of balls and they rummage around and go, Taiwo Owatemi will go to Coventry. Is it a bit like that? Um, well, um, it's it's not as exciting as that. <laughs> I'm sorry <laughs> to say that actually, um, before you are um, elected for an area, you need to be able to explain why you want to represent that area and that's right to explain your connection your understanding of the issues within that area um i had family in coventry and i often came to visit coventry so um for me it was i understood a lot of the challenges that was going on in coventry and i spent quite a few time um in coventry just in general through life okay. um and hence why when I decided to represent Coventry um, the party actually sat me down um, or sat all the candidates down and went for a rigorous process of trying to understand how best we could make a positive impact to the constituency and to the city mm -hmm. and what what is it that we had that we could give um, not only in terms of policy areas but in terms of um, our past experiences with activism um, that was that was important to um, Coventry um, and the party wanted to ensure that whichever candidate was selected. So we have different selection phases, but whichever candidate got down to the top three essentially mm -hmm. um, were the best candidates who they believed would be able to support the growth and support um, constituents. So, Okay, so you already were familiar with the place, you'd spent a bit of time in Cov. Oh yes, no, absolutely. Um, Coventry was just a normal familiar ground to me. Um, it has quite a growing and a big Nigerian community. A lot of people uh -huh. don't realise that. Um, so Coventry is just, and the West Midland was just a, a second home. It was just a natural, it's weird when people ask that conversation. I was like, actually through my life experiences, it was just a, a natural place for me to say, this is where I wanted to represent. Okay, um, so you know your way around the ring road is uh, <laughs> trying to get to. Is that going to be a shocker? Anybody no. knows their way around the ring road. <laughs> I tell you, I, I since I've been back and I've been there, I'm like, oh, they've actually improved the signs because when when I was driving when I was 17 and I got my first total knacker of a car, trying to navigate my way around and like. 
and I grew up there. You'd think I knew it, <laughs> but I'd still be like, is it this one? There's, there were no signs. So it's, it's definitely got better. Um, one thing I was going to ask about, because I love that you have such a good Twitter presence. You're on Instagram. You're very active on social media, which is great for sort of the younger generation, I would say, younger to middle. But you obviously have to appeal to older voters as well. And yeah. uh, be thankful my mom is not on Twitter. Um, <laughs> and uh, she still lives in Coventry. So... And I think your colleague, Colleen, has the joy of, um, that's the area of Cov that my mum lives in. So you're one of your Labour colleagues. But how, how do you sort of balance um, appealing to the, the constituents? Is that the right word? Uh, through the different age groups. Yes. Within my constituency. Yes. That's a very good question. But um, I would say that when I... I communicate with people for different means. So with the more elderly population, before COVID, I was actually going to some of the community groups to speak mm -hmm. to them directly. Um, during COVID, I've been writing letters to all constituents and encouraging them to um, get back. Mm -hmm. But those letters are also sent as emails to allow, I guess, people who are more technical um, or familiar with, with IT to respond back. And with um, letter envelopes for people who just prefer the old fashioned. Yeah lettering back so that's a good way that I use to communicate I also do a lot of phone calls mm -hmm. so I, I run zoom surgeries so people can see me face to face but for those constituents who are not again technically savvy yeah. phone calls are a good way just to find out what's going on um, and to see how I can help them and then with my younger generation with the younger generation <laughs> it's mine it's about social media so Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You also would be surprised how Facebook is is intergenerational. It appeals oh, yeah. to different age groups. So I make sure that a lot of my information is on Facebook um, and on different groups within the community, so that every age group can can have the information that that is needed. Um, and then I work with different charities and organisations who have a bigger reach as well, so that they can disseminate any information that I want. Um, and actually, I was I was reading the other day about um, the importance of connecting with Generation Z and how okay. TikTok is. I was just more... <laughs> about to say, are you on TikTok yet? No, moonwalking uh, across the kitchen just to sort of stay in touch. I spent this weekend going, oh, how am I going to show Generation Z what an MP does? And so I'm brainstorming and working with the team on how to get onto TikTok to ensure that younger generations are. Um, are more involved with politics that's happening um, nationally and locally. So I think oh. about all the different groups within uh, my constituency, and I even break it down to female groups in terms of female male groups, um, different ethnicities, just to ensure that as information is accessible to all um, members of my constituency. It's yeah, I think it's such a nice thing to be able to just say, well, what do you do? And then, oh, wow, just a quick run through your Twitter feed or your Facebook or Instagram just to see what, what you're up to. It's um, it's nice to have that visibility just in your pocket, really, just just on the phone. Uh, we are getting to that point in the pod. Uh, everybody loves a shout out. Would you like to shine a spotlight on a mate? Absolutely. I uh, The mate that I want to shine the spotlight on is Shay. And Shay is the founder of Glitch, which is a non-profit organisation that aims to end online abuse through education, campaign and advocacy. Um, and she started this through her own lived experiences. Um, and that made her think about how I am a BAME MP and I'm going to be honest that I am subjected to, to 
some abuse online right. and I know many of my colleagues are so this is something that I feel passionate about um, and Shay has done a lot of work and she has a lot of expertise in developing and um, practical solutions for governments for NGOs for companies uh, about how to um, address online abuse and protect public spaces from hate and abuse and honestly I admire her work I admire her her resilience and admire that she was able to turn such horrific experiences online into a positive one and the fact that she is working hard to prevent other people from experiencing such abuse online so I think she is a brilliant example um, of of just great activism um, and I think that she honestly uh, deserves a shout out for just being a wonderful person that sounds great. Shay <laughs> Glitch, I'll be sure to check it out. Uh, I will, of course, post links to all this good stuff on the YouTube video and in the podcast notes. But is there anything else you want to plug before we let you get back to the very busy life of being an MP? Uh, thank you. I just wanted to say that um, I am accessible and my main aim is that I want Coventry to be the best place to grow up in and to grow old in. So if anyone has any ideas or any suggestions on how um, I can ensure that happens and they think uh, that we can make that happen then my office is always open and I am always a friendly face if you see me on the road say hi um, I don't bite <laughs> nice I, I did want to ask one question now that you're now that you're on the on the ladder of politics would, would you ever fancy the top job one day That's my answer to that. Oh gosh, um, a I... squeal. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it, it is. Um... You must have like a ten-year, twenty-year plan. Is it a, hmm? or are you still so new to it that you're like, I'm not so sure. I want to. <laughs> no, no, no. I have. I think like everyone, you have a ten-year and twenty-year plan. But the one thing about the role of an MP is that it's changing every single day. Mm -hmm. What we were asked to be doing last when I came in last year it's completely different from what the role is going to be looking like this year so mm -hmm. it is I would say that it's impossible for one to clearly plan one's career path whereas as a pharmacist I knew exactly after this many years this is going to happen this is what I'm going to do as an MP for me it's all about growing mm -hmm. and ensuring that I, I have the necessary skills and expertise to be able to contribute effectively to the policy areas in which I um, am passionate about. That was a very nice, adept politician answer. I liked it. I have often wondered this. <laughs> Did they teach you that in politics school where it's like, okay, if you get a fishy question that you don't like the look of, you just, because I, I wondered, like, I want to try that next time I get pulled over for speeding. You know, <laughs> like if a copper says to me, do you know how fast you were going? I'd be like, well, I don't think we really want to talk about how fast I was going, but what we should talk about is the NHS and the good work they're doing. <laughs> and just see, just see if I can talk my way out of a ticket, I think. <laughs> That's mostly what I want to learn from, from being an MP. Taiwo, it's been absolutely fabulous. Thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. And I know you are super busy. As I said before, uh, all the links to your all your good stuff will be posted in the YouTube link uh, and in the podcast notes. And of course, to, uh, to Shay with the, the wonderful work of Glitch. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much, Stella, for having me. And it was really great being here. I've had a wonderful time and I've enjoyed my experience. And, and I hope to be back one day. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you.